We love student ministry opportunities, and uh, that's what you were just hearing about. And I have to tell you, I'm, I was moved to tears and emotion here. I'm thinking, how am I going to get up and preach when these little kids were coming through here with the flags? And hearing this and seeing these kids up here, two of these have already said, Look, Lord, I'm ready to go. They've already responded to the call. And each one of these little ones here that you're nurturing, that you're bringing into the faith, are the next generation. Um, these t-shirts, do you like them? Yeah. <laughs> Last night I asked, do you like this? Nobody answered. <laughs> uh, well, the missions committee graciously uh, pays for all the cost of these t-shirts here so that student ministries, SMOs, can sell them and every penny of the proceeds of this go to student ministries opportunities so that some people that can't afford to go um, actually can be subsidized. So I urge you, buy one. And if, like last night, you don't like them, buy one anyhow <laughs> and give it to somebody you don't like. <laughs> so, well, um, I'm honored to be here. I love you people. I love this church. I just love this church so many, for so many reasons. One of them is that we're the ninth largest church in the Christian and Missionary Alliance, and yet we're the third largest giver to the Great Commission Fund, which is the funding arm of the CNMA that makes it possible for us to send 800 missionaries across the planet. That's astonishing. And for that and a hundred other reasons, I'm honored to serve you, and I love you. I, I just love you. Well, I want to say this. It's my apology. Um, we have a lot of really great preachers in this church. I ain't one of them. <laughs> I'm the back room guy. I'm a blue-collar guy. And, uh, but the reason I'm asked to preach here is that Pastor Rock is hoping that some of my enthusiasm, some of my passion might be contagious. And so I'm not a brilliant man. I don't have great things to say, but I pray that God will move. And so will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, here I am. I ask that you would move here. If I say the words and you don't enliven them and they don't mean a thing, so please do your work, Father. I pray that you'd touch every soul. You'd fill us with your Holy Spirit. Make us possible to move just a little bit closer to you. I pray this in Christ's name. And may the Lord be with you. Also with you. <laughs> I love that. I always wanted to do that. <laughs> so that's off my bucket list. So... This is October Missions Month, the best time of the year, better than Christmas, at least I think so. And our theme for this month, you may have noticed it around here, is danger, courage, and obedience, serving God in dangerous places. That's an intentional choice. My message for today is entitled, All In for Christ. There it is. And uh, my main point is this, God is a self-sacrificing God, and he calls us to be a self-sacrificing people. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran minister who was executed in a Nazi concentration camp during World War II, and he made this statement. It's a common statement. He said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. We chose this theme of danger and courage and obedience because we wanted to intentionally challenge the Americanized gospel that says that God wants you to be safe, comfortable, and wealthy. 
You'll find trouble finding that in your, God, in your Bible. Jesus instead said things like this. He said, you're not greater than your master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. He said, the world will hate you. He said, blessed or happy are you when they persecute you. He also said this, anyone who does not take up his cross daily to follow me is unfit for the kingdom of heaven. Now that day when he said that, everybody that was listening to him speak had seen crucifixions. They were bloody. They were hideous. They were horrible. They were brutal. And they had no question about what he was saying to them. The cross was an instrument of death. It's the nature of God's love to sacrifice on behalf of those he loves. It's the nature of his love, and so, therefore, it's the nature of love. He is love, so he defines love. That's what it is. Sacrificial. For Jesus, his mission was a dangerous one. It would cost him his life, and he knew this ahead of time, and he still did it. He wasn't crazy. He wasn't reckless. He wasn't psychotic. He wasn't delusional. This was a rational decision made by the most rational being in the universe. He was going to allow himself to be murdered at the hands of religious terrorists. It was all done out of obedience to the Father who loved him perfectly and yet sent him to his death. And Jesus calls us to the same thing. He said this, he said, Behold, I send you out as sheep among wolves. Huh? This is the good shepherd sending the sheep out among the wolves. He's supposed to protect the sheep. John Piper said this. He said, nobody has any doubt what happens to sheep in the midst of wolves. God is a self-sacrificing God, and he calls us to be a self-sacrificing people. Several years ago, I had an opportunity to mentor for about three years a young man who was planning to go off to one of the most dangerous, darkest places on the planet, a place that was extremely dangerous for Christians. And so I, the wise older man, was counseling with him, and I was sitting down over at the bistro with him, talking to him about his future and his finances, and I said, you know, you really should save up some extra money for your retirement. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that. I said, listen to me, seriously. You don't know what's going to happen. You get bit by a snake. You could, you, you, get, you could get kicked out of the country. Who knows what's going to happen when you get over there? He said, no, I'm not going to do that. I said, seriously. Let me try to convince you. He said, Glenn, stop. I'm not coming back. I'm not going to survive this. I know what God is calling me to, and it doesn't include retirement. Like Jesus, he wasn't crazy. He wasn't reckless. He wasn't psychotic and he wasn't delusional. He was in love with the Christ who loves the lost. The Great Commission is found in Matthew 28, 18. It's been said that this is the apex of the gospel of Matthew. It is the point of Matthew. And Jesus said to them, all authorities given to me in heaven and on earth... Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. The go is meant for everybody. 
It is a universal go. Everybody in this room has to go. Everybody is responsible for going. The great preacher Oswald J. Smith, the Canadian preacher, CNMA, Presbyterian preacher, preacher out of Canada, uh, said this. He said, the Great Commission is a personal obligation upon every Christian. Each member of the church must face the task with obedience. Go is a command from our God. We must obey. About 42% of the people in this world have no access at all to the, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's three billion people. Three billion people don't know that there's a savior. They don't know that there's a redeemer. Their kids don't have access. They can't hear because there's nobody to tell them. We all must go. But how do we do it? Well, one way is through prayer. Prayer uh, is the primary work of God's people. That's one of the core values of the Alliance, the primary work of God's people. Prayer and faith are the most powerful forces available to us on this planet. Prayer, prayer is what we use to grow in our faith, and faith is what makes it possible for us to move mountains. And those are Jesus' words, not mine. You know, there's no contest between God and Satan. There never has been. God's this big, Satan's this big. He spoke Lucifer into existence. He could speak him out of existence in an instant. But here's the thing. There is a battle. There is a struggle between the church and Satan. That's true. We've been called to destroy the works of the enemy. We've been called to take this gospel to all nations. And what that means is all ethnicities, all people groups on the planet. And we've been called to advance the kingdom of God so that the knowledge of God covers the earth like the waters cover the sea. And by the way, there are still over 1,600 ethnicities or people groups who have no access to the gospel. They couldn't hear about Jesus, even if they wanted to. Our job is nowhere near complete. There are 5,000 languages into which the Bible has yet to be translated. Well, so how do we accomplish God's mission? It's a big task. Prayer is one of the keys. In John 15, 7, Jesus said this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. That's a big blank check. I always ask people, whenever I preach, I love prayer. I always ask people, if you think you pray enough, raise your hand. And that's always the response I get. And me too, I don't pray enough. James said this, he said, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But we have a tendency to do what I call spitball prayers or run-by prayers. We run past God and we say, oh, hey, I need a new hat. Or heal Aunt Bessie. We do not move God or alter the course of the universe with quick or casual prayers. In John 1, 1, one of the most amazing verses in the entire Bible. It's pregnant with meaning. 
He says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What does that mean? Does that mean God and Jesus were hanging out together? They were fishing. They were chilling in their mother's basement. No, it has deep meaning. It means face to face. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was face to face with God. What does that convey? Think of this. Think of a new mother, brand new mother with a brand new baby. And she's staring into the eyes of this baby. And she's looking into this eyes. And she's compelled by the love that she has for this child. And there's no words that are being exchanged. There's no great thoughts that are happening here. It's just the intensity of the moment, the intensity of the interaction of the the, the heart to the heart. Or two lovers standing in an embrace looking into each other's eyes. And any word would detract from the moment. It's the intensity of the engagement one with another. And this is what the Father had with Jesus from eternity past for all time. And he broke it. And he said, I want you to go down to that earth. And I want you to suffer. And I want you to die. So that you can be saved. So that I can be saved. And he did it for more than that. He did this because he wants to welcome you into that same relationship that he had with Jesus for all eternity. He longs for that relationship with you. This is what Jesus did when he was out on the mountain praying all night. As was his habit, by the way. And this is what God saved us for because he longs for this relationship with us just as he longs for it with Jesus. But he also longs for it with every single one of the 44,000 people who are going to die today without any possibility of ever hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's in these prayers in this time with God, that we, our heart begins to beat with his, and we begin to feel his desires, and our heart begins to ache with his, and we begin to align ourselves with him, and, and we want our resources to be his resources, and we turn over everything we are to him, and we pray from the depths of our hearts for our family, for our neighbors, for our coworkers, and for people around the globe, and it is these prayers that we use to be able to destroy demonic strongholds halfway around the planet that are harassing the people of God or preventing the spread of the gospel. If we could really understand the power that God longs for us to possess, we would indeed pray without ceasing. Everyone must pray. Everybody must pray. Some pray and go, some pray and give, but everybody prays. Another way that we engage in the, in the Great Commission is to give. One of the other core values of the CNMA is that everything we have belongs to God. We are just his stewards. Remember this. God is a self-sacrificing God, and he calls us to be a self-sacrificing people. The CNMA, our denomination, is one of the greatest mission-sending organizations ever on the planet. The Great Commission is the means by which we fund over 800 
or nearly 800 missionaries around this globe, 90% of whom are in the most dangerous, remote, unaccessible places on the earth. Every three minutes, somewhere on this planet, someone gives their life to Christ as a result of, a, of CNMA miss, missions. Isn't that remarkable? Seriously, that's astonishing. The cost of one soul through the CNMA is $514. Is that cool? 514 bucks buys a soul. For $514, you can transfer someone from the kingdom of darkness in a Christless eternity into the kingdom of light and eternal bliss with Christ. That's $43 a month, approximately $10 a week. Sign up. <laughs> Jesus said, made this remarkable statement in John 10, 41. He said, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward. Well, that's a principle. And by the way, missionaries are prophets. They are people who take the word of God to people that don't have it. So dig this. If I contribute to a missionary and I make it possible for her to go halfway around the world, suffer whatever she has to suffer, but I make it possible for her to go, I get her reward. <laughs> what a deal. What a deal. Do you see the power of this? She does all the sacrificing. I get to sleep in my air-conditioned bed. No bugs, no snakes. And I get her reward. Why wouldn't you do this? Look, as great a church as we are, giving to missions and supporting missions, uh, not everybody gives to missions. It's just a fact. But we're all called to fulfill the Great Commission. Some of you are not taking advantage of this deal, but you need to get on board. The go is meant for everyone. Everybody is responsible to be involved in the going. And you can do that by sending. So all of us need to be contributing to missions on a regular basis. But I want to caution you. I'm not talking about taking what you give to this church, to the general fund or whatever, and, and split it and put something... No, this church has to exist. This church is a light to this city. This church is a light to the neighborhood. The many ministries that go on here in so many different ways are critical to the life of this city and this community, to your life. Missions is sacrificial giving. It is giving something else. It is going a little bit beyond. It's the cost of, of doing what God calls us to do. Nobody in this church benefits from you giving to missions. Uh, the church doesn't. You don't get new carpet on the floor. Rock doesn't benefit. I don't benefit. Nobody benefits. You don't even benefit until you die and you start to reap the treasure that you've already sown into heaven. This is between you and God. The third thing is somebody has to go. ACAC has 40 people, over 40 people that we support that are taking the gospel around the globe. Some of them are right here. Some of them are in this room worshiping with you. And we have 24 people who are considering or planning for a lifetime of overseas missions. We have to support them. We're, we are a sending church. Paul was a missionary, was a missionary 
uh, apostle to the Gentiles. And he loved the Philippian church, and he said this to them, I have all I need because I received from Epaphroditus your gifts. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, and very pleasing to God. We are the Philippian church. We make it possible for people to do this. For over 100 years, this church has been sending missionaries out all across this globe because there's been a fire burning in the hearts of each one of the people in this congregation with a missionary zeal to see the word of God spread throughout this earth. That's our legacy. That's our DNA. That's who we are. If we send out these 24 new kids, we have to support them. They're our kids. They are from our bosom, from our heart. And it's your fault they want to go. It is. You've been teaching them in kindergarten and in children's ministries. You've been giving them a passion for Christ in middle school and sending them on SMOs. It's your fault they want to go. You have to support them. Me too. The church of God is like an army. For every frontline combat soldier in the U.S. military, there are seven support personnel. But there are also a million people, who, millions of people who pay taxes to make it possible for them to be there. The same is true for missionaries. For every missionary who's out there, we need to support the full engagement of every committed Christian to make it possible to support them out there. Do your part. I do want to note this. For every one man that comes to me and says, hey, Pastor Glenn, I feel like maybe God's calling me to uh, life of missions. I have 12 to 15 women. These are strong, courageous, bold women. Women who are going across the planet, tearing down spiritual strongholds. They're risking their lives. They're going to dangerous places. The women are the warriors. And the men are pretending to be warriors by playing video games and watching baseball games. Men are challenged with the possibility of going across the planet. It might cost them their lives, but they may win a million souls to, for Christ. And they opt instead for a new car and a grocery list. Where are the men? Again, God is a self-sacrificing God, and he calls us to be a self-sacrificing people. Nick Ripkin, the author of this book, I hope each one of you buy one and read it. This is a life-transforming book. He said this, if the resurrection is true, it, cha it changes everything. But the corollary is also true. If there is no resurrection, hey, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Be safe, be comfortable, live like the rest of the world. But the resurrection is true. It did happen. And Jesus proved what is of value on this earth and what is not. And there ain't nothing here worth clinging to. Just nothing. Do I look angry? <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm happy. A couple of weeks ago, a young woman came into my office, a beautiful young woman. And she's, she came in because she was interested in missions. She wanted to find out, what's my call? What's it look like? And so we were talking. And she said, can I ask you a question about the call? I said, yeah. And tears began to well up in her eyes. And she said, does God call some people to suffer? I said, yeah, he calls us all to suffer. 
And the tears grew more in her eyes until one broke loose and ran down her cheek. And she said, I think that maybe God's calling me to suffer. Is that possible? I said, oh, yes. Oh, yes, darling, it is possible. They weren't tears of sadness. They weren't tears of fear. They were tears of an overwhelming joy and an intensity of the calling of God in her life. We have a young man who's he's living in, he's been living in one of the worst places on the planet. Chaos, just absolute chaos. Uh, hostility to the gospel. And he was arrested. And he was blindfolded. And he was thrown into a dark prison. He was encrusted with the feces of the prisoners who had been there before him. And he was kept in that prison cell and brought out every once in a while just so he could be interrogated. He didn't know what was going to happen to him. He didn't know if he was going to be executed, tortured to death. He didn't know if he was going to be in prison for the rest of his life. He had no idea what was going to happen. And I said to him, what was going on in your mind? What was in your head? And he said, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He prepares a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear no evil, because God is with me. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And he said the next thing that was going through my mind was just an intense awareness of the presence and the pleasure of God. He was filled with the joy that he might be considered worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. One of my heroes is uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Uh, He suffered in a Soviet gulag prison camp in the 50s and 60s, and he wrote a book called The Gulag Archipelago. And in this, he said this. He said, bless you, prison. Bless you for being in my life. For there, lying upon the rotting prison straw, I came to realize that the object of life is not prosperity as we have been made to believe, but the maturity of the human soul. And he also said this, every man always has handy a dozen glib reasons why he is right not to sacrifice himself. I've known for some time I was going to be doing this here, and I've been praying for you for months. Praying that the Lord would move upon you and praying that he would convict your hearts and draw you just a little bit closer to him. That he would set your hearts on flame with a passion for this gospel. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and search your heart as God speaking to you. And if he is, don't you say no. I urge you, say yes to your God, whatever it is he's calling you to. And Father, I pray for these you love. I pray for this church. I pray that we will become passionate about sharing your gospel with the lost. I pray that every soul in this room would ache for the lost that they know and the lost they don't yet know. I pray that you would move us into a commitment
that exceeds anything we've ever known before. Have your way with us, O Lord, I pray. Amen.